Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in here with me today. It is Wednesday, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Normally a day that's uh, quite fun to talk about, but not always the, the best day to be a participant in, depending on which side of things you might be on. But at a time like this, maybe a good prank will help lighten up people's day. Maybe that's what we all need right now is a little bit of pranksterism going on. When I have some free time later on, I'm definitely going to be jumping online, watching a few videos to see how creative people got on April Fool's Day here today, a day where we're all cooped up inside. Uh, maybe a little bit more opportunity to get those creative juices flowing and come up with something fun. Also going to be interesting to see just how easily people were when it comes to getting angry at said pranks. I'm sure there are many out there who are a little more irritable than normal uh, given the situation we currently find ourselves in. So I'm going to be doing a little April Fool's Day digging around later on today. But we got a show to do, and of course, as much as we all wish the coronavirus was just a prank that someone was playing and we could all wake up tomorrow and have it be gone... But that is not where we are at all, unfortunately. Nope, that is not the case. Premier John Horgan made an address to us all here yesterday where he also extended the province's state of emergency until April 14th as B.C. enters what officials have called a critical juncture in the battle. The Premier emphasized the importance of following the orders from Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry. You might not feel it in your living room, but everyone in B.C. is pulling together. And there are early signs that our actions are making a difference. But we can't stop now. We need everyone to follow the directions of the provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry. Stay at home as much as you can. And when you're outside your home, stay at least two meters away from others. Now, that message probably sounds familiar to a lot of other people, right? I mean, that is the same thing that we are getting day after day from our provincial health officers across Canada by our premiers, by our prime minister. Daily, we're hearing that same thing, right? And unfortunately... There is a reason why they have to keep delivering that same message day in and day out. I think the vast majority of us out there have figured it all out, right? We need to stay away from each other. We need to stay isolated when we can. Only go out when we absolutely have to. Uh, heck, I'm sure most of us figured all that out at least 10 days ago, maybe even longer ago than that. But the fact remains that some people just don't seem to get it. And the one thing I will say, when it comes to groups here in British Columbia, I do not understand why there is such a hesitance to reduce the gathering size limits that they are putting. Like most of us, like I said, understand we should be in small groups, as small a group as possible. Uh, but there's some people out there, like I said, who just don't seem to be paying attention. And yesterday, Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked why she isn't making the call for a reduced cap on the number of people who can get together at one time. You know, Alberta has limited limited its gatherings to 15 people, Ontario even more extreme at five-person gatherings with some exceptions for groups of 10, but Henry just is not ready to make such a move. 50, that's for mass gatherings, for events, for things that are happening in the community. And I am reticent to go, the, none of these are based on scientific evidence. There's some modeling that Alberta has done that shows that if you have less than 18, your probability of having a case may be less. And so they went with 15. I'm not going to change the order just because we know that people interpret it in a variety of different ways, and it's challenging for our homeless people, for example. 
Yeah, that last part, the way people interpret it in a variety of ways. That's one issue that I have with the resistance here to, to not reduce these numbers that are being called for when it comes to these math ga mass gatherings. We saw here on the weekend in Kamloops, you know, someone got stabbed. Someone died while attending a house party. I'm sure that whoever hosted it knew they shouldn't have more than 50 people over. So they didn't. But they still had a house party. They still decided that they needed to invite people over. And that is not a one-off. I am positive that that has happened to many others across this province and probably many others here in Kamloops as well. Look at Italy, where small-town mayors are going out and shooing people off the streets and telling them to go home and be responsible. Uh, a lot of mayors in Italy are also taking to social media to yell and swear at the people who live in their communities because they're not obeying orders. And I hope we don't get to that point here in Kamloops where we have to see Mayor Ken Christian start patrolling the streets of Kamloops asking people to go home. Uh, we aren't there. I hope we never get there. There, but, you know, we can still go for walks and be responsible, but I just don't understand why we are sticking with this number of 50. I, I understand, you know, from that homeless perspective, we can have exceptions out there and say, you know, you can have a, up to 50 people if you are running a homeless shelter, if you are running a soup kitchen, whatever the case may be, but... I just don't understand why there's such a hesitance to reduce that number because there are people out there who take these numbers way too literally and uh, it's just going to continue to be that way unless those orders are changed. But I think it'll come eventually. It's just a matter of when. And that question, I'm sure, is going to continue to get asked until that decision is made. Um, so, yeah, I'll say it one more time. Most of us get it. The vast majority of, of us understand, but unfortunately not everybody does. And, and that is, is not an April Fool's joke. Now, I do have a good show lined up here today. In the back half, I'm going to be joined by Kamloops South Thompson MLA Todd Stone. Uh, MLAs across BC were set to have an automatic raise of 2.3% kick in today. But yesterday, BC MLAs unanimously voted to forgo their automatic pay raises in the midst of this crisis. So Todd will join me to talk a little bit about how that decision was made, react to the Premier's address from last night, and just have a, a general chat about how things are going in this province and with the BC government amid the COVID-19 pandemic. At the end of the show, I will be joined by Greg Munden of Munden Ventures. Apparently, as restaurants have closed up due to COVID-19, it is becoming tougher and tougher for truck drivers to find food. Now, some fast food chains have been trying to make proper adjustments to be able to continue to serve customers, which would, of course, include truck drivers who are still driving to deliver goods across the nation. And even as industry has tried to fill in the gaps, Munden has said it is still slim pickings. As a solution, Munden pitched the idea of increasing presence of food trucks at gas stations, the idea being to help feed hungry drivers while also helping to supply businesses uh, and food truck operators to gain some clients. So Greg will join me at the tail end of the program to get a good idea of how that is working, um, just how important it is to have those kinds of services available at a time like this when those services may just be a little bit tougher than normal to come by. So Greg Munden, like I said, will join me at around the 50-minute mark of the hour. And coming up next, well, I will be speaking with a criminal lawyer from right here in Kamloops. I want to talk a little bit more about this whole situation uh, about COVID-19 and how it is impacting crime. As we all sit in our homes, I would expect to hear about an increase in calls for things such as, you know, domestic violence or uh, even small neighborhood property crime as people just try to do something to, uh, you know, entertain themselves. And I understand why little petty things like that could potentially be on the rise. Not that I'm calling domestic violence petty, but the neighborhood property crimes I am. And of course, uh, you know, with, with those things going up, 
what would be reduced? What kinds of offsets do we see as a result? You know, we're seeing automobile incidents obviously way down with people not really driving. Um, I assume there'll be less calls for uh, people who are, um, you know, uh, assault, right? That kind of thing. Those A lot of assaults happen when, when people get together in groups. They have too much to drink. They get into an argument. And all of a sudden, you know, there's some kind of an assault. I don't know. Has that happened recently here? Anyways, so we'll get into all of that. I'm going to be joined by Marshall Putnam, who works at Jensen Law. That's going to be coming up after the break, so please stay tuned. That chat is coming up next. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Wednesday. It is the beginning of April and no... That is not a joke. We are into the fourth month of the year, if you can believe it already. As we go through a pandemic, people, of course, are being isolated in their homes. The streets are looking as close to empty as they can really get. Well, what kind of impact could that have on crime? And, and how does the court system, you know, being put on hold right now for a couple of months, impact those who may, in fact, be charged during this time or even just the rollover and the backlog that we have seen leading up to the fact that uh, court is now closed? What happens in that process as well? Well, I'm joined on the line by Marshall Putnam, who is a criminal lawyer working at Jensen Law here in Kamloops. He's been in the community since 2013 and also works part-time at the TRU Faculty of Law teaching criminal procedure. Marshall, thank you so much for taking the time here today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here to give some insight. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. So, uh, first of all, just ask, you know, how is life as a lawyer these days? I would think, you know, with the court on hold, things would maybe slow down, but also at the same time, I imagine that's probably not the case. Well, you know, you always, you always try to keep busy with your files, even if you're not officially running towards the deadline. But with the court closure, a lot of, a lot of court appearances that we tend to expect to do on a month have just been vacated. So a lot of us are sitting at home doing our best to self-quarantine and isolate and just trying to stay busy with the work that we still have. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty similar situation that a lot of people are finding themselves in these days, no matter uh, what your profession might be. Now, let's, let's get into uh, the crime things here a little bit. So I wanted to ask, you know, as we see less and less people on the street and less people out and about, what types of crimes would you expect could go away during a time like this? Or not go away, but maybe be drastically reduced. What kinds of trends of things where you normally might see quite a few of them, like things like automobile accidents, for an example, right? There's always a lot of those, but with less cars on the road, there's now very few of those taking place. So when it comes to you know people-on-people crime, what kinds of things are would you expect as a lawyer to, to go down during a time like this? Um, I, I would certainly expect to see, as you mentioned, less vehicle-related offenses, uh, pair driving, dangerous driving, what have you, and that's, that's likely just a, a numbers game. With less people on the road, there's less risk of people committing offenses while driving. Um, you might also see perhaps less public mischief, um, less public disturbances as well. You just have less people outside. Yeah, for sure. So that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, you know, also I would expect some things to go up during a time like this. What kinds of things would you expect to see a bit of a rise in calls in during this time? I would think, uh, you know, just, just my own personal guess would be things like domestic violence as more people are stuck at home with their families and there's just more opportunity for, for arguments to happen, right? And so we could expect to see more calls for things along those lines or even just domestic disputes doesn't have to be violence. But what other kinds of things would you expect could be, uh, you know, on the rise? as a result of more people just, you know, being cooped up at home? What, what types of uh, scenarios could we see more of? 
Yes, this is, I've discussed this a lot with my colleagues at Jensen Law because obviously with our downtime, we're trying to figure out what to prepare for in the future here. And domestic, domestic incidents are certainly high on the list. Um, there's been a fair amount of reporting on the risk of simply having people stuck indoors and, and if, there, if there's stressors on the relationship, that these can escalate um, unhealthy situations. But I'm, I am also expecting to see two other categories of crime increase here. I'm anticipating to see some, some more commercial break and enters. Um, there's been some reports of businesses in East Vancouver being concerned about this themselves. I, 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 I see that happening simply on the basis of where people are. Uh, a break and enter is often an opportunistic event, and, and it tends to happen where people are not typically located. So when you're at work, your home is more vulnerable because no one's holding the fort. Well, conversely, with no one manning the businesses, um, that might be a, an easier target for a break and enter now. Um, I have seen an increase in insecurity walking around, so that's certainly a good thing. The other area that I would expect to see an increase on uh, is, is fraud, possibly. With people who are being, being laid off in this economic uh, pressure, there's, this is a, an easy ground for people to maybe uh, try, try their hands at, at some fraudulent techniques for, uh, for visa money. So in, in Edmonton, just recently, in the past 12 hours, it's been reported that there have been three visa-related fraud cases stemming from COVID where it seems the, your, the fraudster contacted the victim and said that they, they wanted to a surprise. And surprise, you also have to pay uh, a COVID bill of health uh, fee as well. And they increased the rate that way, and then they got something like $10,000 out of people. So I, I would expect to see those three, uh, domestic assaults, probably commercial break-and-enter, and, and fraud. Yeah, when it comes to fraud, it's such a shame, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what the situation is. People will always be out there looking to take advantage of people who are worried, concerned, you know, looking for solutions to whatever problem, right? We're seeing a lot of, uh, like, even just the fake drugs to help you get over COVID, the uh, magic cures that are being sold out there. I think most people know they're not real, but it always pulls a few suckers in, right? And that's all it takes to be successful when it comes to the fraud game. Um, Yeah, it's disappointing to hear that that's already happened happening here in Edmonton, but uh, I, I imagine everyone should be on the lookout for that. I, I've received a few emails myself when it comes to uh, some COVID-related potential fraud scams. So just be on the lookout, everybody, because uh, it will be on the rise and it will be looking to maybe tug at your heartstrings a little bit when it comes to a pandemic. Um, uh, yeah, and when it comes to the uh, B&Es, you mentioned, you know, break and enters being a crime of opportunity. You know, just when, when, I, when you initially had said that, I was thinking, well, those should go down, right? Because everybody is at home and, and typically B&Es are happening at people's homes. Homes. So that should be something that would actually go down. Um, but, you know, when you talk about the fact that businesses are all vacated right now, I guess it, it is making sense that that could go up when it comes to those businesses being targeted. Um, you know, so, yeah, just I just wanted to point that out. I guess, you know, wh- when you when you think about uh, overall B&Es, um, I guess, would you expect maybe maybe overall those numbers of B&Es would go down, but the potential for greater theft might go up because they are targeting, you know, places of business? You know, that's tough to say. It might just be a shift of venue, effectively. Um, What might have otherwise been a residential B&E may simply just now be a commercial B&E. Right. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, now, I wanted to ask you a little bit, Marshall, while I have you here, when it comes to the court system itself. Now, uh, you know, we talked about how the fact that it is on hold here for a couple of months. Uh, you mentioned, you know, how, how it's impacting you when it comes to trying to go through your files and no real deadlines in place. But when, when things do pick back up and, and the system does resume, you know, what, what uh, any idea what things might look like in, in terms of just how uh, a backlog might go? I mean, we've already heard before going into this problem that there was a bit of a, a backlog in the court system, and, and I imagine it would only get worse when we're taking a couple of months off. Yes, well, the court system is always concerned about deadlines. You're always trying to get the soonest trial dates and the soonest appearance dates because everyone wants to keep their matters moving forward at a brisk pace. Um, what effectively has happened here is about a six-week six shutdown. It started about two weeks ago, roughly, and, and the two courts, which is provincial and supreme, have each given their own tentative um, resuming days, of course, probably subject to change as the situation unfolds. In provincial, generally speaking, it's May 16th. In supreme, generally speaking, it's May 1st. Um, we're not really sure if that's going to happen, but of course, we're preparing for that accordingly. Um, the concern here, of course, is that when you clear the clear the table of six weeks' worth of matters, um, everything after that six weeks is still going forward. So if you had a trial scheduled for, we'll say, June, well, there's no reason why that wouldn't proceed accordingly. It's just trying to get these files that were that were moved brought into the system at a, at a good good pace, obviously, because they've lost their, their place in the queue. And there will be some challenges in trying to schedule everything in there. Um, alternatively, or maybe just in addition to that, we have, of course, the risk that there will be crimes committed now during this quarantine period. And those things probably will not enter the system until after we've got a handle on the courts again. And what I mean by that is that just because a crime has been investigated and, and perhaps an individual identified, the charges might not be approved for months from then. Um, and so there might be a backlog in charge approval, but I, I can't speak to that because that, that's, of course, the, 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 Crown's, mm -hmm. uh, the Crown's role. Right. So right. I, I think there will be, there will be some, some difficulties in getting everything back, back on, the, on the rails here, just, just balancing new files, existing files, and, of course, the ones that got bumped. Yeah, I, I assume it's going to take a little bit of time to sort everything out here once uh, things do get back underway. Um, you know, this is probably something that I don't think anyone, like I, I've said many times when it comes to every sort of industry, I mean, this is unprecedented times. You've never really seen anything like this. And when it comes to court, I assume it's the same thing. So it's all sort of uh, trial by error here or whatever the term may be that you want to use. But uh, we'll, we'll figure it out as things go. Thanks so much for doing this, Marshall. Really appreciate your time. Yes, thanks for letting me speak. Yeah, anytime. That was uh, Marshall Putnam with Jensen Law, a criminal lawyer here in Kamloops and also a part-time law teacher at TRU, giving us a little bit of input there in terms of what we can expect to see in terms of shifts of types of crime that are occurring as we are all cooped up and locked up in our homes and what that might mean when it comes to the calls that police are getting and the files that lawyers deal with. Well, Coming up next, I'm going to be chatting with MLAs here in B.C. who are uh, deferring their pay raise. 2.3% pay raise was set to kick in today, but MLAs across B.C. unanimously voted to defer that for one year. I'll be joined by Camlib South MLA Todd Stone after this, so please stay tuned. The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas.
Welcome back to the Jeff Andres Show. Thanks so much for being here with me on April Fool's Day. MLAs across the province were set to have an automatic raise of 2.3% kick in today, but yesterday, MLAs unanimously voted to forego that automatic pay raise in the midst of this crisis. Joining me now to talk a little bit more about this is Kamloops South MLA, Todd Stone. Todd, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you, uh, Jeff? Ah, not too bad. It's April Fool's Day today. I haven't been pranked yet. How about yourself? You gotten it? <laughs> Anyone got you yet? Well, I think I think uh, I think the weather has pranked us a little bit, actually. <laughs> uh, it's pretty darn cold out there. But uh, again, uh, grand scheme of things, uh, far far more important things to worry about these days. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let, let's get into things here a little bit. Like you had mentioned, uh, it is no joke. COVID nineteen causing chaos really across the globe. Um, the economic impacts, of course, are being felt everywhere, and that includes us here in BC. MLAs were set to have an automatic pay raise kick in today, but yesterday it was voted to defer that for one year. So first and foremost, Todd, I just wanted to ask about how those kinds of conversations, um, you know, went. You know, was it pretty pretty straightforward that that was something that everyone was on the same page about? Oh, absolutely straightforward and, and unanimous. Uh, all 87 MLAs of the legislature uh, were of one voice on this, as we have been, uh, I think, uh, in terms of the overall response to this health uh, crisis that we're all facing. Uh, you know, before 2007, uh, MLA compensation in BC was actually uh, set by MLAs. It was controlled by MLAs, and that was changed in, in 2007. It was put into legislation uh, that uh, the salaries of MLAs is tied to uh, to inflation, basically, and and uh, provides for uh, an inflationary um, uh, increase uh, on an annual basis, uh, typically on April 1st each year. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it was a 2.3% increase that was uh, scheduled for, to take place today. Um, it was an absolute no-brainer, uh, again, for everyone in the legislature to say, uh, no, we're not taking that, uh, that increase uh, um, uh, particularly uh, at, at a time when when everybody is tightening their belts and uh, you know trying to figure out how to how to how to make uh, make a go of it in the weeks and months ahead. So um, the the d- decision was taken to each of the caucuses. Um, I, I can't speak for the NDP and Green caucuses, but I know what the end result was in their caucuses was the same as ours. It was a very uh, brief discussion and. Uh, uh, again, unanimously supported by all MLAs uh, of the legislature. Yeah, and like like I said there, it seems like a no-brainer for, for that um, uh, vote to take place the way it did, to unanimously vote to push that off for at least one year, at least 12 months here. So looking, I guess, at uh, April 1 next year for when that percentage increase may come into effect. But, um, you know, just when you say it sounds like something that's such an easy decision that makes sense during the, the economic times we're living in right now, MPs did vote to go ahead, or not vote, they, they did end up getting their pay raise that kicks in here today. Um, um, so I'm sure there are some out there who, who maybe, you know, when it comes to getting a pay raise, you never want to put it off. I know, I know if I was offered a pay raise, I wouldn't want to say, no, no, I'll defer it for 12 months. I would take it if I could get it. So, uh, you know, just obviously, like I said, it makes sense given the economic times we live in. But had it gone ahead, could you imagine what some of the, the pushback would have been from constituents? I'm sure there would have been a lot of unhappy people, as I'm sure there are when it comes to our MPs right now. If you could go ahead with a raise, um, you know. There's a lot of people out there desperate for any dollar, let alone a raise right now. So could you imagine what that pushback would have been had you guys decided to go ahead with a raise right now? Oh, I, I, absolutely. No question about it. And rightfully so. Uh, I mean, talk about, uh, talk about tone deaf. Uh, there, there's, there would be just no, no appetite for, for, for that whatsoever. And, and thankfully, 
Uh, I had no appetite for that, nor did Peter Millibar, and nor did uh, any of the other 87 uh, MLAs in the legislature. Um, I think, to be fair, on the federal side, uh, uh, Kathy McLeod, the local MP, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, she uh, has indicated that she uh, did, did not support the, the wage increase federally, and and I think she has indicated that she's donating her increase to uh, to, to charities in mm-hmm. Canada. So you know, so good on her. I mean, that's that's um, uh, that that's a personal decision that she's made that I think was the right one, and she should be applauded for that. Yeah, I think a lot of MPs out there have done similar things, and, and yeah, definitely happy to hear that Kathy, who was uh, you know, not in support of the raise going ahead, is going to donate that raise to charitable causes, and, and a noble move indeed, uh, but still, the just the overall look of, of the fact that it is going ahead is just uh, not great uh, in my eyes at this point in time. Um, yeah, not, 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 not great, and, and a bit, uh, certainly a bit tone deaf. Um, and, and just to be clear on, on, uh, on, the, on the provincial scene, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, what actually happened, yeah, Yesterday, the vote was to uh, to uh, uh, basically pass the motion to put this increase on hold, um, and until we're able to convene as a legislature, uh, during which time uh, the the legislature will vote on uh, foregoing the increase entirely. So it's not um, uh, it's not a situation where we wanted to say, hey. We're not taking it today, but let's just postpone it and take it uh, at some point in the future. Um, the, 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 the sensibility in that legislature, again, across all the 87 MLAs, was we don't want this increase uh, this year, period. Um, procedurally, uh, you, you, can't, um, you can't forego the, the increase on a permanent basis unless you amend, uh, amend the legislation. So that would actually require us to, to reconvene in the legislature in order to make that happen. But uh, that, that two point three percent increase won't be happening uh, for MLAs uh, for this year uh, period. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up because uh, that that yeah that did change a little bit of how I interpreted things. Not a, not a ton, but a little bit. Um, I don't. I did want to ask too while I have you on the line here, Todd, because we saw Premier John Horgan get up and and, and address uh, the people of BC yesterday, thanking healthcare workers, urging people you know to stick with physical distancing and other public health directives to help combat COVID nineteen. Um, I, I just wanted to get your overall thoughts on on just you know what was said yesterday, and I, I know most government is sort of on the same page with how things are being handled at least in this point in time, right? It's not really a time to be pointing fingers and, and name-calling and things like that. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on what was said yesterday by the Premier and, uh, you know, how you feel things have been handled here in B.C., just on a, a very general sense. Well, uh, look, the, the Premier's message yesterday was uh, very much consistent with uh, with, with the, the, the messaging and the, the wide variety of actions that the government, uh, with the full support of the opposition, have taken uh, over the last uh, month or so as we've been in this pandemic. Um, uh, frankly, I think people are, are far less interested in what politicians have to say, the Premier included, uh, than they are as, as to what Dr. Bonnie Henry and, and public health officials have to say. And, you know, I, I take my hat off to uh, Dr. Henry for the, the absolutely uh, incredible uh, leadership that she has demonstrated uh, in, in navigating this province through this crisis. Uh, she's, she, you know, every, every day on the television, I don't know how she does it, uh, she hasn't had any time off for weeks. And she just gets up there as cool as a cucumber and, you know, just lays out the facts. Uh, and that's how we're going to get through this. Uh, people need to, to listen to what she has to say and to follow her direction. Um, at the moment, uh, physical distancing is probably, and staying home is probably the, the, the most important things that we all need to revisit 
redouble our efforts and and uh, continue to remain committed to to doing because uh, we do uh, seem to be making a little bit of progress. Uh, if you look at the rate of increase uh, of spread uh, of the of the virus. Uh, it does appear to be slowing somewhat, um, but let's not get complacent. Uh, let's let's continue to, to, to work hard to um, to do our part individually. And I, I'm really proud of of Kamloopsians and and folks in the Thompson Valley because I think I think uh, everyone is getting that message and is doing uh, their part uh, to to uh, help help uh, each other get through this. Yeah, yeah, I think that last part is important too when you say, um, you know, it looks like things are improving and, and we hope that things are improving and the actions we are taking is, is out there to help, uh, but we have to stick with them just because things look like they're getting better doesn't necessarily mean they are and if we just decide to uh, kind of fall back to our normal way of life, well, that's not going to help the situation get any better. So just uh, just wanted to point that out there. And, and Todd, one more question while I have you because, you know, of course, when we're talking about government, there is still you know, some work that has to continue. The, everything doesn't shut down just because, uh, unfortunately, you know, things are closing, but work still does need to go ahead. And, and there are a couple of issues that you have kind of been on top of here over the last little while. And one of them was talking about condo and strata insurance. And I just wanted to kind of get some thoughts on kind of how these files are being handled during this time. Is it is it like tougher for you to kind of think about that kind of stuff? Or, or maybe it's even easier given that you have a little more time to, to sit around than potentially you normally would. Well, our, our number one priority at the moment is to continue to do everything we can to support people in, in Kamloops and the Thompson Valley. You know, Peter and I are in constant contact uh, with uh, dozens of people who are, are still, you know, emailing us, phoning our offices. Our offices may be physically shut down, but they're still up and running. Our staff uh, and, and Peter and I are working remotely in our respective homes. Uh, so that's job number one, yeah, to do everything we can to support our constituents. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, call volumes and email volumes uh, are definitely up and, and, and rightfully so. Um, yeah, it, it, the other part of the job is, uh, is the criticals that we have and, and uh, the issues and uh, the files that we uh, were on top of uh, prior to this, uh, this COVID uh, crisis. And, um, you know, you still do the, the work you can there. I'm still hearing from lots of people that uh, are, are facing astronomical increases in their strategies. Uh, we're continuing to advocate uh, behind the scenes directly to government uh, that as part of their broader uh, economic uh, action plan here, they need to bring some solutions to the table uh, to, to help offset uh, these, these massive increases in insurance costs uh, for stratas and, and strata unit owners. Uh, because certainly, um, uh, you know, prior to any of this COVID crisis happening, it was uh, it was tough for people to, to pay an extra two, three, four hundred dollars a month in strata fees. Um, it, it's now, you know, even that much more uh, necessary to, to take some action here. So, you know, we might not be out there beating the drums, uh, you know, doing media interviews and, and um, you know, standing up in question period in the legislature and, and you know, taking it to the governments on some of these issues. Uh, but we're sure as heck working hard uh, and, and advocating as, as necessary behind the scenes uh, because, that, you know, work of... Uh, work of the legislature and, and of the elected officials on behalf of British Columbia has to continue. So uh, folks can rest assured that it, that it, that it certainly is uh, behind the scenes. Well, Todd, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, obviously we're all in this thing together and then hopefully we'll get through this sooner than later, but we'll I'll just have to take it one day at a time. Anything else you want to add while I have you on the phone? Yeah, and, and thanks, Jeff. Uh, I really appreciate the, the, the incredible coverage that you guys are doing uh, down there at NL. And, and I just want to say this to the people of Cowns. We are going to get through this. There, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, what we need to do now is follow, follow Dr. Henry's uh, directions. Uh, stay home if you don't need to go out. 
and uh, re- reach out to loved ones and neighbors and make sure that people are okay. I'm, I'm quite concerned about the anxiety and the stress, uh, you know, the mental health challenges that, that will come from uh, people, you know, being, being stuck in their homes. Uh, uh, and, and last but not least, uh, camelscares.ca. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you've got an hour here, an hour there to help others, uh, go to that website, camelscares.ca and sign up uh, to help. Uh, and, and of course, if you need some help uh, of some sort, you can also go to that site and register. Uh, I believe they're firing things up uh, uh, today. Uh, and so that's, you know, I've signed up. I'm looking forward to getting out there. It's uh, obviously, you know, with physical distancing in mind and all the rest of it, but, you know, doing what, uh, what I can to, to help folks. I encourage everyone uh, to lend a, a lend a hand to their neighbors and their, their family and friends uh, as best they can. And we will get through this, Jeff. Great stuff, Todd. Well, thank you so much, and and thank you for the encouraging words there at the end. Really do appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we will get through this together. Thank you so much, and we'll we'll catch up in the future. Thanks, Todd. We'll talk talk soon, Jeff. Awesome. That was Kamloops South MLA, Todd Stone. Yeah, lots of good stuff in there, guys, and we will get through this. That message is loud and clear that uh, we all just got to continue to stay together, do our part, maintain our social distancing when we can, and uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, we'll keep saying the same message over and over because some people just don't seem to understand 95.5% 95.5% of us probably do. I just made that number up off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, some people out there just still still not paying attention. So we'll have, to, we'll have to all stick together. Anyways, coming up next, just like talk radio hosts, truckers are continuing to work and are continuing to ship goods across the country. And, uh, of course, they're, they're doing that so we can have supplies of things that we can buy. We can still go to the grocery store and get food, thank goodness. And that's thanks to the work of people who are shipping that stuff across the world. So uh, while they're doing that job, though, of course, they do have to eat and how challenging can that be when restaurants many of them are essentially shut down right now what kinds of solutions are being thought up to make sure that they don't go hungry well i'll be talking a little bit more about that after this so please stick around your opinion call or text 250-374-5345 find us on facebook or on twitter at radio nl news this is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome back to the show here on Wednesday the 1st. Thanks so much for being here. Apparently, as restaurants have closed up due to COVID-19, it's becoming tougher and tougher for truck drivers to find food. And although some fast food restaurants and others have been trying to get creative in order to make sure that they are open and serving, apparently it is still not great when it comes to available options. And the owner of one Kamloops Trucking Company wants to help make a difference. I'm joined now on the line by the owner of Munden Ventures, Greg Munden. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. So let me just start by getting you to sort of lay out the picture here as it stands. Just how difficult can it be right now for people who are doing these long drives across the country, uh, you know, to be able to find places to eat? Is that a real problem? Yeah, it's a it's a huge uh, it's a huge issue, becoming increasingly more difficult for uh, you know the professional drivers that are keeping all the essential services, moving to the grocery stores, the medical supplies, the the toilet paper, um, <laughs> you know, getting them to the shelves is, is, is becoming just, just tougher and tougher. So, yeah, we're trying to find a solution for that. And, yeah, have you been hearing a lot from, from drivers who are stopping in at your shop and just, you know, perhaps being frustrated because, you know, maybe they were hungry and, and were unable to find somewhere at a, at a timely fashion to be able to fill that need? Is, are you hearing a lot of complaints from people? 
Yeah, yeah, we've seen it. Um, we've seen it with customers coming to our shop. We've, uh, uh, I'm involved with the BC Trucking Association and the Canadian Trucking Alliance. We know, uh, we know through those organizations, they're getting a lot of concern raised, both you know locally, provincially, nationally, and and especially as they cross into the United States. Uh, just issues everywhere with uh, more and more challenges in getting access to food. So with that being said, right, you're hearing from people, you're aware that there is a bit of an issue when it comes to being able to find stuff to eat as those people are making those long drives. Um, what, what kinds of solutions did you sort of come up with? What did you do? What action did you take? Well, you, you know, the idea wasn't, uh, it was really brought to me, uh, a local uh, business owner, Brad Wood, that owns Interior Vault, who's not even re- really significantly involved in the trucking industry uh, had heard about the problem himself so he came to me uh, not really knowing what to do other than sort of having the idea of, of mobilizing food trucks um, which obviously the food truck business is, is at a standstill right now which they should be going into their their busy season uh, you know with the idea of, of see, even if we can mobilize those trucks in some way to provide access to food for the truck drivers so I thought it was a, a great idea um, I reached out to the folks at Chevron who we do a lot of business with um, Chevron's owned by Parkland right now uh, in Canada so we talked with uh, we talked with Chevron about it about and just really on a local basis seeing if we could use their local fueling station their local commercial card lock to locate one or two food trucks trucks to at least solve the problem locally or assist with the problem I guess they were uh, you know they were immediately supportive of the idea in fact they ran it up um, sort of their leadership chain and came back and said look we'll we'll open our card locks up across the province if you want to expand this idea so you know one one thing's kind of led to another and what what started as a, a really small concept is starting to balloon into something much bigger than we had expected yeah that's really awesome that this has kind of worked out the way it has and and uh, you know I keep bringing it up as an issue with with truck drivers and they're not being able to find a lot of places to be able to feed their hunger when when it comes um, but this is also really good news for those who are you know food truck operators who are like you had said this is typically when they'd expect to go into their busy season it's spring it's supposed to be warming up although uh, maybe not today but in general it's supposed to be warming up here and that's typically when more people are getting out and about and wanting to start visiting these food trucks so it it sounds like a real win-win and a great partnership and uh, yeah just uh, what have you heard anything from from people um, just in terms of this idea itself you've been getting a lot of good feedback from um, not not Chevron or those that you propose it to but those who would actually be benefiting from either uh, food truck operators or or truck drivers themselves have you been hearing uh, you know just some excitement about this fact that this is going to be going ahead yeah, you know there really is. There's uh, there's been a huge response from the food truck sector. Um, I'm getting you know calls sort of kind of constantly about people interested in participating in the program. Um, we've you know in terms of marketing, I mean, really important to get this media coverage. It's it's uh, very important for us to get the message out uh, both to the truck drivers and to the food truck industry um, to try to you know get some momentum about it. We we need it to be successful for the food truck operators. So we really need the trucking community to be aware of this coming and uh, you know the limited uh, amount of social media uh, marketing that I can do has had had better response than, than virtually anything that we've ever done from a social standpoint and uh, we're obviously leveraging the the reach of the BC Trucking Association to extend that marketing and whatever 
kind of media coverage that like this that we can get will uh, only help. So been really positive um, feedback from the trucking community in terms of the ones that I have contact with. So we're uh, we're pretty optimistic that it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good uh, good solution. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about this. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can help get the word out there. Like I said, this is a win-win, I think, for truckers and for food truck operators. So hopefully it does uh, go with, with quite a bit of momentum and take off here. Um, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate you taking the time and spreading the word. And, and awesome work here. I'm really glad that you were able to bring something like this forward. And it has so far worked out. So thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You as well. That was Greg Munden of Munden Ventures, a Kamloops trucking company. Uh, yes, yeah, so some good work being done here by uh, many people, many Kamloopsians who are just looking to help make a difference and help everybody get through this pandemic as, of course, we deal with the consequences of COVID-19. Well... On that note, it is about time to wrap things up here today. So I would like to thank all my guests for joining me. And of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Have a great Wednesday. Enjoy your April Fool's Day. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.